galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine, and everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini.com, a show for people who always think of Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo as the next-gen video game consoles, where we talk about all things Star Wars Legends, celebrating our rich EU history, as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today I'm joined once again by the magnificent, the legendary, Freddy C. How are you doing, man? What's up, Freddie? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. I I'd have to say, I <laughs> after reading 50 comics, I I don't even know how to describe it. I, I it's <laughs> what in two weeks? <laughs> in two weeks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> reading 50 comics in two weeks is is not easy, and uh, you know I'm just sitting here in the nice weather, uh, enjoying my I don't know if you can see this Chewbacca outfit and whatnot, just. Drinking in Star Wars at this point. It almost feels like it's a completely new realm for me. Chewbacca outfit? What? <laughs> well, it's I'm just not a... wearing my glasses or my contacts tonight. It looks more like a Hawaiian shirt. It's a Hawaiian shirt with, with Chewbacca all over it. I don't know if you can no see that. No way! Chewbacca's on that thing? Yeah, I don't know if you can see that. Where does one buy Chewbacca <laughs> Hawaiian shirts? <laughs> I... There's no way I could pull off a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I can't remember where I bought it. It must have been Amazon. Uh, but I just I, I saw it and I had to get it. Freddie, what kind of mood does a person have to be in to type these words into Amazon? Chewbacca Hawaiian shirt. Like, <laughs> how do you end up making that Google search? Because believe me, I've Googled some weird stuff, especially as a Star Wars fan. Yeah. That's amazing. Tonight, I am uh, sporting my new Christmas present, Utini shirt, the uh, the radio shirt, or the, the band shirt. I forget the exact name of it. Uh, it looks especially good over the interwebs and by popular demand. I've got to show off another garment of clothing. All right. The Stormtroopers are looking at me a little bit skeptically here <laughs> as I get ready to bust these suckers out. Uh, this was requested in the Utini Discord. If you're with us here live on Twitch, then you can also be a part of our uh, incredible network on Discord. We've got, what, over 700 people in there? It's always popping. Stuff's always going on in every channel you could possibly imagine and more. And something that was requested was after I got my out-of-print Light of the Jedi... Uh, very excited to get this exclusive um, special copy of the book. It also came with a garment of clothing that, honestly, I wouldn't have bought if it hadn't been included in the purchase. But now that I've got it, you know, I live in Massachusetts. It's January. It's always cold up here. I've got, and they asked that I share these on the podcast, Ooh, legs. my High Republic socks. I know, look at that calf flex. My High Republic socks. There you oh, go, Cheryl. Awesome. We are all the Republic, even my feet. There you go. <laughs> Uh, how about you, Freddie? You got any new uh, any new things to show off on the episode? You got your shirt. Uh, yeah. What else? Anything? Anything fun? Actually, uh, I might as well show it on the show. Uh, I already made a, a video of it on on Instagram, so if you follow me on there, you've seen it already. But uh, Meg was my secret Santa, and oh yeah, that's she right. Surprised me with a diecast. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because on the show I called it a, an X-wing Falcon. Although I'd love to see what an, yeah. <laughs> what an X, what is X-Wing that? Falcon looks like. Are you even a Star Wars fan, Freddy? <laughs> hey, man, I'd love to see that vehicle. Uh, hey, Wes, do it. Anyway, uh, so I'll grab that right now on the shelf, but it, it's definitely on my shelf, which I don't put much up there. This is like my, my you know, prized possessions. So Freddy's got two Star Wars collections. <laughs> He's got one uh, back at his parents' house in Arizona. He's got another one in California. 
Um, which we don't know about is his, his, he's got like a vault in uh, the mountain on Wayland as well. <laughs> so three, if you're keeping count. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. I, I, if you could go over to Freddie's Instagram and check that out, if you want to see the uh, the opening video. Um, over here, I'm pretty excited about having my exclusive copy of Light of the Jedi. I've got the Light of the Jedi, the regular version. I've got my uh, my comics covers. I think I showed them off last week. Pretty excited about those. And uh, unfortunately, accidentally ordered two separate orders of both Light of the Jedi and Test of Courage, which is now, hey, number one New York Times bestseller, only the sixth Star Wars book to top the adult fiction list. And then, of course, Test of Courage uh, was number two on the children's book list. So very, very exciting time to be a Star Wars books fan. Huge congratulations to Justina Ireland, Charles Sewell, and the entire High Republic team. And as excited as we are about those... We're going to be talking about something. There we go. There we go, Freddie. You got the uh, the X-Wing. Beautiful. You haven't opened it. You haven't taken it out of the box, Freddie. Are you a, are you an in-box or out-of-box uh, collector? I don't see the shelf here, but everything's still in its box. <laughs> are they all in the in the packages? Yeah. Well, you just wait till if and when you oh, have kids. Yep. <laughs> no, uh, Heather said, uh, tuning in last week, she, she really got a kick out of the fact that I said, no, those are daddy stickers <laughs> in uh, the great Jedi Rescue. <laughs> Uh, so and there's still you know a sticker update they're still in the box. I'd like to uh, one weekend. I'd like to see uh, a shirt that says nope these are daddy stickers <laughs> these are daddy stickers <laughs> that would actually be pretty good get little stickers of like Corey and uh, Eric and Wes's faces uh, these are daddy stickers anyway before this gets any weirder uh, do you want to say we're not going to be talking about the uh, the new cutting edge um, New York Times best-selling books tonight instead we're going to be taking a blast from the past back to when I was in high school man these books were being published back from 2006 to uh, 2012 i started high school in 2006 got married in 2012 we get married young in uh, uh christian arkansas culture <laughs> <laughs> so i know that might sound a little odd to some of you it's my high school sweetheart uh, so all that is to say that uh, it's a blast from the past some some good nostalgia i actually didn't read these back in the day uh, we are talking, of course, about John Jackson Miller's Knights of the Old Republic series. Now, a little bit of correction from last week. Um, still catching up on all this stuff, all right? was pretty well consumed by the High Republic stuff. Um, a little bit of correction with uh, Light of the Jedi and uh, Test of Courage and Into the Dark and the, the High Republic. All this stuff taking over my bandwidth. Uh, got a little bit of information wrong. I know, hey... I don't like to get information wrong. I like to get it right all the time. You can tune in to, uh, what's that other show? The one that Trevor does? Star Wars Archives with Joxie and Trevor, uh, where I've been challenging Trevor to some Legends trivia. If you want to get on the, in on that competition over on our Patreon, that's a lot of fun. But I did get something wrong on our podcast. That is, Night Field Republic, I said, ran for 52 issues. Okay, so it's actually 50 issues, plus one if you count issue zero, which isn't a full issue, but... All right, we're going to count it. So that makes us that makes it 51. Then there's a five-issue miniseries, Nice Yield Republic War, which takes place, was published, what, two or three years after the series had concluded and is a solo adventure with Zane kind of caught between the Jedi and the Mandalorian in a, a, a big epic battle and there's um, all kinds of um, flipping sides and, and uh, heists and... and uh, crazy stuff taking place, but it's it's not exactly a direct sequel, and yet it is. So we're going to say, all in all, 56 issues, or 50, or 51, depending on how you're keeping count. Either way, no matter how you slice it, not 52. Is that about cover it, Freddie? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> you following I, my I math? Think I got your math. Uh, either fifty-one, if you're counting just Kotor, but if you're counting Kotor War, like the sequel, uh, Kotor War that that really rolls it off does, the tongue. Right? <laughs> Fifty-six. So it it's really up to you how you feel like counting it. And uh, something we didn't say last week about John Jackson Miller, the esteemed author we're talking about here, um, we didn't really cover the other Legends books that he's written, but they were in the show notes. So anyway, we did the research. Might as well shout it out. Uh, he's also written... Do you think you can name them all without looking at the notes, Freddie, off the top of your head? All of the artists? And the comics. Books and comics. What has John Jackson oh. Miller written in Legends? What all has John Jackson, John Jackson Miller written in Legends? Off the top of your head without looking okay, at the notes. Okay, so Kenobi. Uh, yeah. Definitely KOTOR the comics, which is his... I mean, he's got so many huge achievements. Um, That's his longest uh, running series. Yeah, his yeah. longest running series. And then, of course, Kenobi, which is, in my opinion, one of the best uh, Legends books that I've read on my top ten. Oh, yeah. See if I can find my hardcover and show it off a little bit here, like Vanna White. <laughs> I, I, have my, I have my hardcover somewhere. Uh, okay, so, man. I can't get it out from behind my desk. I'm trying oh, well. to think of, of what else he's got. Uh, a, a New Dawn. That's right, A New Dawn. Not Legends, doesn't count. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, well, okay, hold on. We reviewed this one, Lost Tribes of the Sith. We have not reviewed we that talked one. About we it. talked about it briefly. Yeah, exactly. We, we gave it like 30 seconds <laughs> one time. It's good enough. We'll talk about it again. Doesn't count. <laughs> hey, that's one of my favorite yeah. Legends books. Yeah, it's really cool. It. It came out of nowhere, in my opinion. I, I was not expecting it, and when I, I, I think it was free, right? Go ahead. Yeah, they were except for the final short story. There was one that was only published in the uh, the paperback I think collection. Prologue. I'm not sure. Um, I I remember taking that with me to read while waiting in line to see The Force Awakens. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Awesome. It could not be more different than The Force <laughs> <It's> Awakens. <so> <laughs> different. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's still one more Legends book that uh, he has written that you have not named and it actually corresponds to some comics which one is that i um it was exactly it was it was actually what he wrote immediately following knights of the old republic uh still an old republic era story have we stumped yeah, freddie might have stumped me oh oh, oh it's I, night I, errant I, you got it ah, <laughs> beat you by like two or yeah. three seconds all right yeah night errant <laughs> Starring Kara Holt. Uh, Meg, you remember us talking about that on the, the Ladies of Legends episode? A little bit about Kara Holt? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. That episode was a blur, wasn't it? Uh, sure was. <laughs> when Meg's show notes disappeared and I didn't have the sense to pause the episode long oh. enough for us to find them. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Look how far we've come. <laughs> I went to bed that night and then I just remember like almost falling asleep and then opening my eyes and thinking, here's all I had to say. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. And I didn't say that. And... Instead, we just made you look like an idiot, and I'm so sorry, no, no, Meg. No, no. Everybody, yeah. F's in the chat for for Meg no. on that episode no. a couple of months ago. No F's in the chat. Meg doesn't like the no. F's in the chat. <laughs> oh well. Oh my goodness, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and as far as I know, that covers it. Um, he's written a couple of other uh, one-off comic issues here and there. A couple of issues of the Empire comic back in the Dark Horse days. Um, so forth and so on, but uh, those those are his major accomplishments. Anyway, incredible author, absolutely one of my favorites, and, and I especially appreciate his contributions to the fan community because he provides behind the scenes material on 
everything yeah. that he writes, whether it's Star Wars or not. And I have spent a crazy amount of time inside John Jackson Miller's brain this week reading. I'm trying I'm trying to be a good podcast host. All right, guys, give me some credit. Uh, I'm reading the behind the scenes on every single issue of uh, Knights of the Old Republic. And uh, I've got to say, he really gets into some crazy deep dives in terms of referencing different characters from across the series. And I mean, even for me, I'm quite nerdy about like the Easter eggs. Um, he really commits, doesn't he, really he Freddie? Does. I couldn't even. I catch. <laughs> I tried to look at all the Easter eggs after I read the comics, and I had to go back and I had to catch them all. I was trying to catch them this time, and I still didn't get them. I mean, uh, I'm reading some of this, the behind the scenes on like Kotor War, and he's like, you might remember that this Republic officer was actually in one panel from Kotor issue 17, and I'm like, no, John. I did not know that. I did not catch that detail. <laughs> Nobody caught that detail but you, John. But way to go. I applaud you for being uh, right alongside us in our nerddom. Uh, anyway, so an incredible Legends contributor. And as Freddie mentioned, he did kick off the canon era with A New Dawn. He's uh, written most recently a, uh, a short story for, from a certain point of view, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, if you're looking to get some of these issues, you can, of course, check out a variety of ways to collect them. Marvel Unlimited, Comixology Unlimited would probably be your um, most accessible. You could get them tonight uh, or whenever you're listening or watching this episode. You could pick them up there digitally. You can, of course, click on our Utini affiliate link over on utini.com. You can pick up one of the three Marvel Epic Collections or the new Omnibuy, which we talked a little bit about last week. And we've got news on this, Freddie. On in, on Twitter, John Jackson Miller um, revealed the fact that he is going to be signing copies of these hardcover omnibuy of Knights of the Old Republic, and he, it, it, you know, has qualified it by saying, depending on when you get your, when you get your order in, we, we, you know, I can't guarantee that I can sign every copy. Mm-hmm. However, if you place the order through, you know, uh, check out his uh, most recent Twitter post. Um, you can also check out. Uh, what he's got available on his website, farawaypress.com, I believe. Uh, and there he, of, of course, includes details on how to pre-order a signed copy of one of these hardcover Omnibite. Now, I'm caught in the dilemma, Freddie. You ever get, in, get caught in these Legends collectible oh, yeah. dilemmas? I'm caught in the dilemma where I already pre-ordered it. So do I do I cancel my pre-order? He said not to. He said don't cancel your pre-orders. Is that him just trying to make money, or is that him trying to take care of us as fans? I'm stuck in this dilemma, Freddie, uh, where I don't know if I should order one that's signed. I already have his autograph in A New Dawn, so now do I need his autograph in another book? But this is going to be a hardcover omnibus. It's going to be so collectible. What do you think I should do, Freddie? Well, I mean, if he said, if the man said, I'm going to sign him, don't, don't cancel your pre-order. I've got to trust the man. i got to... I got to put his word to it. And if he doesn't, I'm going to send it to his house for him to sign. <laughs> you know, um, Mike Stackpole actually has a program through his website where he will sign uh, any legend, any book that you send him. You, as long as you include uh, uh, an envelope or some kind of uh, packaging that's already prepaid to, for him to ship it back to you. And, he, you know, he says it'll take him a while. I've thought about shipping all, what, five of my... <laughs> X-Wing, Mike Stackpole books, and uh, my hardcover of I, Jedi, uh, Corey Helton's favorite book. Um, <laughs> thought about shipping those to him for him to sign. But anyway, um, how about you, Meg? Do you think you're going to get uh, 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 one of these signed editions? I know you're trying to freeze your Star Wars spending this year. I probably not, no. I have so many books, and I don't know where to put them all. What books? 
You don't have, have any I, books, Meg. You're right. I have none. No books. Zero. <laughs> they don't exist. Meg's books have books. I mean, I can just see even on top of the rows full of books, there's even more books piled it, back there. It's becoming a problem. <laughs> well, you know what's not going to make that problem any better? Buying one of these uh, thousand plus page omnibuy to put on those shelves. You know it's not going to fit on the shelf either. It's not going to fit nicely on one of these shelves at all. I hate that. Over a thousand pages? I'm worried about the binding on these things. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about the collectability aspect on all this. Meg does, however, have um, queued up for us images of the two different covers. We talked about them last week. I didn't have the correct um, illustrator information. I want to make sure I get this right this time. Uh, The covers are by Brian Ching and Dustin Weaver. This is the Weaver cover. Is that right, Freddie? The first one we're showing here. Brian Ching cover, I believe. No, have I messed this up again? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. The one that has... Meg, quit flipping them around. Go back to the one that's... (laughs) Why is my camera spiraling? I'll restart it, Meg. Um, So we've got the Ching cover and the Weaver cover. The Ching cover was actually the... You're saying that's the one with all of the uh, the characters Uh, on it? The one with all the characters. That's the Weaver cover. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Um, As long as we are... On the same page with that. Good deal. Um, so we've got the, 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 the cover with all the characters and the cover just with Zane looking dark and broody like it's 2008. Uh, and uh, this is one that I've ordered, the Ching cover. Um, uh, Freddie, you said you like the Weaver cover. How about you, Meg? Which one do you prefer? Um, I, I think I like this one. The, the Weaver cover. Yeah. So you're telling me both of you are against me. <laughs> it's treason then. I you know I sure. I really like the uh I like Brian Ching's art in general, especially in the comic itself. Brian Ching's probably got some of the best art in the comics. So I would love to have one of his, but just the Weaver cover shows all the key characters and just seeing them right there on the front gives you a lot of nostalgia right off the bat. I imagine it's going to look even better uh in person oh, yeah. than it would look um just on the internet, you know. Um, anyway, uh, so excited to have these. If you don't have your copy pre-ordered, uh, hey, if you're watching this live, you get the you get the inside scoop in terms of getting a copy pre-ordered that could possibly even make the deadline to be signed by John Jackson Miller, the legend himself. Um, so uh, we've talked about the collectability of all of this tonight. Now we're going to move on into talking about the characters. Now remember. Um, as is the case with any time we do a roundtable episode on a Legends title. These are not new books, all right? The newest Legends book was published. Well, there's that Legends comic that was like the follow-up to the Marvel series, but we're not counting that. The newest uh, Legends uh, full fiction adult novel was written six years ago, seven years ago at this point. So, spoiler warning. We're going to be in spoiler-heavy territory, and when I say spoiler-heavy, I mean like the big, massive plot twists. Not just like surface-level stuff we did last week. We're getting into some of the big twists that you didn't see coming in a million years um, in tonight's episode. So this is your warning. If you have not read these books, I would highly recommend that you read them before listening to the rest of the episode. So consider yourselves warned. Now... Um, much like we covered last week, we talk about Knights of the Old Republic basically being this. However, the plot does go beyond this eventually. After about 40 issues, uh, kind of moves beyond the initial setup. The initial setup is this. Uh, Zane Carrick is about to be knighted as a Padawan. He and his classmates uh, are about to become Jedi Knights. Uh, Zane, however, a little bit skeptical about whether or not he will actually make it. Zane, uh, always the utter failure, arrives a little bit late. 
only to discover that his Jedi Masters had actually murdered their students. Uh, lightsabers drawn, it's gory and surprising, even though it's, like, pitched and advertised this way. You know, it's on the cover, like, oh, the Padawans are going to die, but then, you you know, at the end, it's still kind of a big reveal. Anyway, teaming up with his former nemesis, Marin Hieroglyph, or Griff for short, um, a small-time Snivian Snaggletooth, uh, uh, kind of a crook, under-level kind of guy, um, lives in the seedy underbelly of Terrace. Zane and uh, Griff team up to be on the run from his former master, um, Lucian Frey and the Jedi Covenant. Uh, they end up, of course, going on this massive investigation and um, trying to find out the truth behind this tragic turn of events. From there, trouble ensues. There's heists, investigations. Um, one out of the frying pan into the fire situation after another. There's many wacky... I can't believe this is happening moments. You've got classic Star Wars adventure. There's heroic Jedi. There's evil Jedi. There's evil scientists. There's brutal saber-wielding red-eyed Sith. There's honorable Mandalorians, less than honorable Mandalorians, uh, and lightsaber battles and explosions galore, and all that's just scratching the surface. Don't you think, Freddie? The, the ride that this comic series will take you on is everything from from fantasy to sci-fi and everything in between and romance. You'll touch every subject, terror, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really gets into, you know, there's um, a whole series with the Rat Ghoul that's, that's um, kind of a play on, like, classic monster movies, wouldn't you say, yeah, Freddie? <laughs> what I like about this is the amount of aliens they incorporate into the main story. Not Not just, you know... Like the Cantina Band, it's stuff like that. It's it's great to see. Yeah, you got your snaggle teeth and your uh, your hammerheads. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we establish last week that those are like basically the equivalent of yeah, Rachel Slayers in the Star Wars universe? Derogatory. <laughs> yeah, derogatory. I guess that's a better way of saying it. Um, absolutely. Um, and John Jackson Miller and his behind the scenes stuff actually goes on to say that that uh, he he spent some time rifling through like the essential guide to to alien species and used them all. And eventually ran out and had had to create some more, which is amazing. Only he would do that. It used every single alien species in the Essential Guide. Um, absolutely incredible. So let's start off with our hero once again, as we did last week. A little bit different perspective on him now that we've actually finished the series this time around. Um, let me ask you this, Freddie. Now that we've read the whole thing, what do you think, in your opinion, is Zane's best quality? And why is he a good protagonist for this series? Because i got to admit, I was a little bit... Until this week, um, struggling to characterize Zane, uh, I even had to go to, um, I even had to go over to um, the Wook, mm. in fact, to look up some information on Zane, in order to just be able to put his character into words, have a much better grasp on the character. Now, at this point, I finished the whole thing. Um, so, so in your opinion, Freddie, what's why is he such a good Padawan? He, there's a couple things that I really like about him, and. I think his best quality is that he's genuine. I think he is the only character, one of the only characters that you see this entire time besides, you know, the, the people in his group. But he's like the most genuine character you can come across. He he believes in Sure. Yeah, he's pure-hearted. He's pure-hearted. He doesn't have any maliciousness in his heart. He he does want to change things for the better, and it doesn't matter what side you're on. Whether you're Mandalorian, whether you're you know, I'm pretty sure he'd make friends with the uh, Yuzhan Vong in some way. <laughs> <laughs> like Anakin Solo. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, pure-hearted in that way. Definitely a heart of gold. Um, amazing that he is a, a pacifist. Mm-hmm. And it's something, even in the, the, the very last series, the KOTOR War, he blows up a Mandalorian ship that they think is going to be their escape ship, but he waits to do it until everybody is far enough away from the <laughs> yeah. ship. Like, hey, some of them might be knocked down. They might get bloody noses, but, like, at worst, a bloody nose, right? <laughs> he is a pacifist, which is interesting that he never directly kills anyone. Um, Freddie, why is what do you think is it's important to get to know a pacifist Jedi, especially in a series that uh, really is in the middle of a war? If you play the KOTOR games, this is set throughout the Mandalorian Wars, especially the opening stages of the Mandalorian Wars. There's still... Like another five years, uh, four or five years between this and the Kotor game, um, but but in this, you know, it really is, uh, you know, there's tons of space battles and and planetary um, scuffles. You know, you've got the Mandalorians and the Jedi, and and uh, Zane is caught right in the middle of this. So so, Freddie, why is it so important that we we get to know a pacifist Jedi? Because uh, we do see a lot of Jedi in the military side of things in, um, let's say, like the Clone Wars, for example. Yeah. So this is the interesting thing that I, I this is what I really like about about him. He's he's a Jedi, but he doesn't fall in line with the Jedi, if that makes sense. Right. He he's kind of carving his own path. And, and you know, I don't want to get political, but what I'm trying to say is it's very much like. Do it, Freddie. Get just political. Because, I dare you. Just because I'm a liberal, just because I am a conservative, just because I believe in God, doesn't make me a Democrat, a Republican, or a Catholic, right? And that's very much sure. the path that he follows is I, I believe in all of the things that they believe in, but I'm not going to be a part of them. And I know that we've probably got something later on to talk about it, but I, having a pacifist, to me, he feels like an actual Jedi. He feels like a real Jedi. Yeah. And he he seems like more of a Jedi than exactly. the Jedi in he this series. He seems like a Jedi more so than the Jedi around him, if that makes sense too. Yeah. So uh seeing him, he doesn't have to prove a point with violence, right? He can he can figure out a way to kind of hit you in a in a spot that's gonna hurt. That that might make make you think twice, right? Like hitting you in the pocketbook. That's gonna make you think twice. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's not afraid to take your money. He is, however, not going to take your life, which I appreciate that about him and Griff. Uh, One of the amazing things throughout this is that Griff calls him henchman. Griff is like the small-time crook who, uh, spoiler alert, for the end of the series, he ends up running a restaurant. (laughs) The Bivoli. (laughs) He's like... So kooky, um, and he's got a what is it a, a Trandoshan sidekick, which we talked about this for a while last week. The way that John Jackson Miller is able to utilize the classic alien species that you peg as one stereotype, like a, a Trandoshan is always a bounty hunter. Well, in this, this Trandoshan is clearly like a nerdy loser <laughs> who ends up being the cook on it in the restaurant. Yeah, which is <laughs> just, just so amazing. I love shout out to Slisk, Slisk, the best Trandoshan there ever was. And Boss can take that to his grave. <laughs> all right. Um, I will say this. Uh, the most amazing thing in, in all this was when Zane was presented with this decision where finally his name was cleared by, did you notice this, Freddy? Uh, the actual Jedi Masters from, like, the Temple on Dantooine yeah. in the KOTOR yeah. game. It's uh, Vruk. What's the name of the, the, Yoda-like, the Yoda-like species? Um, there's there's Vruk, and then there's there's his buddy, the, the little Yoda, Yoda guy. changes shape throughout the comic. And color. And color. <laughs> sometimes he's blue. Sometimes he's yeah. green. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. I forget his name. I didn't. I. Yeah. I'll find it. Bandar, Bandar right? Maybe. You, you got me on that one. Yeah. 
No, I already said Vandar. Who's the other one? Yeah. I'll find it. Keep but, talking. Uh, so, w- um, in this, Fre- uh, uh, Freddy uh, Zane, uh, ultimately, he is his name is cleared yeah. for not killing the Padawans. They they figure it out. They learn that it was Lucian Dre in the Jedi Covenant. They expose the Covenant, defeat the Covenant. Dre isn't killed. He's he's what banished to exile or whatever. And uh, then ultimately. Uh, Zane chooses not to return to the Jedi, even when they offer it to him. So why do you think, Freddy, it's important that, that he doesn't return to become a Jedi, instead paves his own path, does his own thing, um, even when he has the opportunity to return to the fold? He, in my opinion, from from what we've seen with the Jedi, right, the 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 structure, the what they believe in, and it's you know the, all the different sects within, he just doesn't seem to fit in with the Jedi. He he's not. He's not rigid. He he doesn't need to be in the Jedi Order to do the things that he wants to do, which you know are 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 good in my opinion. I don't think anything he's doing is really bad. They're they're scamming the the scammers, the the slavers, right? And he's down with it. Uh, he's very he's not a. I'm not gonna. I don't know if I should say this term. He's not a gray Jedi by any means. There we go. Gray Jedi. Where's Andrew? <laughs> yeah, but he he's just being himself and. You know, it's just like you may be uh, a really good shot, but you're not going to join the military. Doesn't mean you 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 fit that mold. Sure, you know it really is amazing to think about the comparison to Ahsoka. Um, stories would have been coming out. Um, obviously, Clone Wars started in 2008. The the issue in which Zane um, refuses the return to become a Jedi would have been what 2009. Could have been between 2008 and 2010. So the story for Ahsoka choosing not to return to the Jedi after being rejected by them happened later than this. This came first. Um, ultimately, there's there's an incredible parallel, isn't there, to uh, Ahsoka's choice not to return to the fold because the Jedi had let her down, yeah. right? Yeah, they have they have very similar fallouts with the Jedi, except, in my opinion, they're, even though you can draw that parallel, they're totally different in terms of, of their character. You know, Zane is not ready to kill anybody and yeah zane's a zane's a failure and uh (laughs) and uh ahsoka's a general yeah exactly and she's very capable she's a great warrior she's you know killed probably a lot of people uh unlike zane but uh i I don't a lot of droids droids for sure sure. a lot of aliens possibly who knows uh bad the bad the bad people i don't know uh you know it's it's tough but um i i I, there's a question in the chat you know which canon jedi would you compare him to and i don't really know if there's anybody like him i got okay, one go. i got one i'm thinking i i've seen a lot of comparisons in my mind um throughout this I, i've really gone frequently to ezra uh from rebels really seeing a lot of comparisons to ezra in the sense that ezra's a little bit bumbling you know he's uh he's headstrong but he makes a lot of mistakes along the way um, he also is a part of this crew. It's a very similar crew to the crew of Rebels. You've got uh, this big load lifter droid. You've got uh, uh, his his like saber wielding, force sensitive ish sidekick in um, Jeriel, uh, kind of being uh, an analog to Kanan. You've got uh, kind of your Zeb character ish in uh, in Griff. So you've got the, the, the very similar. What's the name of their their ship? The Last Resort. Doesn't he have great ship names yeah. here? Um, <laughs> So, so I, I would say for me, I, I made a lot of comparisons to Ezra. I could see that. Um, to answer that question, yeah. At times he's Kanan, at times he's Ezra, at times he's, you know, he's even more of a failure than that. Um, <laughs> it's hard to hard to characterize. We need some real make make Jedi's goofy again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
let's get a let's get a hashtag trending there. Um, definitely kind of bumbling. It, but eventually he learns how to game that. Like he realizes that his luck is going to break one way or the other. Sometimes things will play terrifically in his favor, and it's like a force power that we that he has. We talked about it last week. Other times he knows that things are going to break absolutely against him. So he tries to make uh, preparation to compensate <laughs> for this weird yeah. force power that he has, which works out really well. I eventually was like, finally, he caught on. He learned how to gamify it. Um we talked about Zane being a henchman to his Snivian buddy Griff. Now, we asked this last week, Freddie. If you had more time to think about it, um, how do you place Griff among the best in Star Wars sidekicks? And then you got the best Star Wars scoundrels. Let's start with the, the Star Wars sidekicks. We think about Chewbacca, for instance. For, 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 for instance. You've got uh, Han and Chewie, right? Um, we talked a minute ago about uh, like Kanan and Ezra. and Maybe we could say Chopper is like uh, the third there. What's another good uh, sidekick that we can R2 think of? And- uh, Lando and Lobot. <laughs> best trio, or best uh, duo ever. Um, of course, you've got R2-D2, C-3PO. Uh, everyone has to have their 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 opposite, right, as, as a as a partner. Um, in, in one case, you've got Chewbacca, who really does care. The odd couple. Yeah, you've got the odd couple. Chewbacca, who really does care. And then Han Solo, who's just out there making it on his own. But he's always going to care about Chewbacca, and that's probably about it. Um, but in this case, there, you know, it's so weird because it's hard to say that that Griff is a sidekick because because he, he's very much like the mastermind in a lot of sense of all these schemes. Uh, and he teaches he teaches Zane to kind of break out of that mold, you know. To, to uh, he, I don't even know how to describe it. He he just um, he teaches him stop playing by the Jedi's rules yeah. and by... uh, start thinking about how to scam people to make a profit. <laughs> yeah, he's a trickster, that's yeah. for sure. He's learned a few tricks, but uh, Griff is actually pretty high up there. I really like him. I posted something in our in our Slack channel, uh, our yeah, Utini, that was amazing, yeah, our Utini Slack channel, and uh, I feel that's that's very much like a a thing for them, right? They're very funny. They're a comedic duo, uh, but they're always looking yeah. out for each other. Absolutely. Yeah, eventually Slisk kind of steps in as uh, Griff's new sidekick because Zane clearly has risen to his potential finally as a Jedi and, uh, you know, doesn't become a Jedi, but uh, goes off to kind of do his own thing, starts this uh, this like coalition that's freeing slaves, which uh, if you ever wonder if you're on the right path, if you end up on a path that has you freeing the slaves then, yeah, you're on the right path. Okay, so uh, eventually, uh, you know, kind of moves beyond Griff. Griff is running, like, this secret organization of information sharing, so he's still able to assist um, Zane in this in, in his quest and in his journeys, even from his restaurant, right, from afar. Um, so so definitely love them as a as a couple. Great duo there, the, the failed Jedi and the failed... Um, like the failed thief on Terrace. So uh, fun to have a Snivian in the spotlight as well. Now, we've talked about these two main characters. talked about them last week as well. Let's talk about a couple of heroes that uh, didn't make the cut in last week's episode. Let's talk about Jeriel. Uh, Jeriel, of course, we start to, you know, we're introduced to her as this um, kind of hardcore, um, you know, she's got like the double-sided staff uh, that she's that she's twirling around, kind of like Darth Maul. She's she's um, what's her species called? I had it earlier. The same species as the uh, the Jedi Master from Ar- Arcanians. From the, the, Arcanians. Yeah, yeah, Arcanian from the the Tales of the Jedi comics. 
Um, we end up getting really deep into the series before we learn her backstory. Um, Freddie, weren't you surprised by how deep we went into the series before we actually learned what her whole deal was? Part of me felt like they were just going to finish the story and, you know, see if they could make up another timeline to keep the story going and, and keep the interest going. I'm not sure how it how it worked out. I, I didn't follow the series while it was going live. But uh, it, it seemed like, hey, what can we talk about now? What are we missing? And And, you know, they happened to fill up a good amount in my opinion after that i want to say after yeah same yeah after 30 what is it 32 or so uh when the yeah once dre is defeated i was like what are they gonna do they just defeated the main yeah. villain we still have like another 20 issues yeah, left you, and uh it actually even gets better from there yeah it opinion. really does it actually in my opinion what happens after after the main series is you, you have a couple things a couple of discoveries you know now you can get to the things that you were ignoring because you had to tell that story right so yeah. Uh, you know, it goes through her background and, and it comes later on, but it, it's it's very pleasing to actually see who she is because we, we've been trying to figure this out and we had no idea until now. And yeah, we get these glimpses throughout the series that she's force sensitive. There's a couple of uh, little coincidences that seem like, hey, she just used the force to push that villain away at the last second to save Zane's life or something like that. Um, uh, we've got a couple of like older men in the series who are competing for her <laughs> attention. In particular, Roland Dyer, the Mandalorian, who... Massive spoiler alert, uh, we learn <laughs> toward the end of the series through that for like 30 issues has not actually been the Mandalorian um, on their team, Roland Dyer, who they had come to trust during the Flashpoint story arc, but we learn was actually the uh, sociopath Mandalorian scientist, Demigol. That was a huge twist. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, we got Demigol competing for her attention and affection, but then also Malik uh, competing for her attention and affection, which that's right. We're talking about Malik from the Coach War games. He actually has a prominent role throughout this series as kind of like an older brother figure to Zane, ally slash frenemy who is is constantly you know uh, coming to blows with Roland Dyer slash Demigol, the Mandalorian on the crew. Um, always, always, uh, just just at, at, at the the pair of uh, the breaking point, just ready to go off on this guy. You can tell that he's got a lot of pent-up anger, uh, pent-up aggression, which is going to eventually land him as a Sith Lord bobblehead one of these days. Well, he's behind me. You can't see him. Um, so so we get this massive reveal, but these men are competing for Jeriel's attention and affection. They're, they're, they want her on their team. It gets a little bit well, problematic, in my opinion, the way that they're so focused on her as a love interest. But then ultimately we learned that she was, um, you know, she had been a, a slaver. She had been, you know, kind of recruited as a as a, a teenager into, you know, forced into conscription as a slaver against her will. Um, they talk about her brutality. Uh, then the, her sister comes into play, and we learned that it was actually her sister who was the brutal one, but she was still complicit for a while, even though she had been recruited into it. Yeah, it's confusing. John Jackson Miller, he really weaves some, some convoluted, some dense stories. There's yeah. a lot of twists and turns and retcons. And, but then ultimately, she joins Zane in freeing the very same people that she had enslaved in the first place. Now, one of the things we talked about in recent episodes, Freddie, is the problem, in my opinion, that Star Wars has with living atonement. There's not a lot of living atonement. There's a lot of this Christological uh, archetype of dying in a blaze of glory in order to save people, <laughs> which can be overdone. Let's leave that for Jesus, Okay. <laughs> Uh, hashtag leave it for Jesus in 2021. Uh, how about this, Freddie? You know, what does her story say to you about guilt and and uh, living to make up for what you've done? 
Yeah. So she originally, right at the very beginning when we meet her, she's trying to escape and she's just trying to hide. Uh, she's trying to hide from her past. And it's interesting that we just kind of keep going on the story without even really knowing where she came from. But in my opinion, I want to say your past doesn't define who you are and it won't define what you're capable of as long as you acknowledge that, you know, if you're doing something bad that you should probably not do it anymore. So what I really like about her yeah. story is that she doesn't let the fact that she was a slaver, you know, I don't know if she was a slaver by choice. I think it was forced uh, conscription. Right. But, uh, but then eventually she's complicit to a course, certain degree. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think it's, be, you know, one of those things like when, once you do it and you just get numb to it, you just you, and you become good at it. Right. If 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 that's the only thing that yeah. you can do. And I, what I like about her is that she doesn't she redeems herself by not dwelling on it and just moving forward and and you know she she wants to escape and she wants to be by herself and and she still wants to run away but she runs along with this guy zane because he he just sees the good in in everything i think that's why all the people are are around him is because they they see that he sees the good in everything and they they enjoy that someone like that is genuine and exists yeah he's not like hunky he's not uh heroic in the in the the typical sense of the word, but he is pure-hearted, which uh, she, she, hey, she can be the brawler. She can be the the hardcore one in the yeah. family. It doesn't always have to be the dude, which I appreciate the way that that subverts this late 2000s stereotype. Now, that's excellently said, Freddie. Uh, I, I came to a point where I was like, oh, is Jerio really just like a 2000s, uh, you know, love interest where she's like the the slender lady who can um, really kick butt when the the going gets tough and everybody, you know, Malik and Rule and Dyer and, and even Zane, they all just want to like be with her in a sexual sense. Is that really who she is? And then eventually John Jackson Miller fleshes out her story in a meaningful way, which was much needed in my opinion in order to take this series up a notch for sure. Uh, don't you think? Uh, did you get worried that it was just going to be a love interest thing, Freddie? Yeah, I, I felt like there was a lot of testosterone on the pages, and we definitely needed something <laughs> to take that away. When Malik's around, it's all testosterone <laughs> well, all the time. When Malik's around, he's very much like, you belong to me, sort of, but without saying it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And he yeah. gets a little cringy, especially towards the end, and, and I'm really glad that Zane does what he does. He he, he grows along yeah. with her, but uh she she very much is capable right and that's what i love about star wars is a lot of the females are very capable and she's she's one of them yeah, she absolutely is. She absolutely is. We talked about these different men that compete for her attention. One of them is Roland Dyer, who we actually learned was not Roland Dyer the whole time. Now, we're introduced to this character. He makes a huge uh, a huge splash entrance in the Flashpoint story arc early on in the series. He's known as the Questioner. You know, he's broken away from the Mandalorians. He's not fighting their war. He's he's trying to investigate why the Mandalorians are going to war against the Republic in the first place, which is something that's eventually revealed in the games and even in the Revan novel that we reviewed with Patrick a few months ago. Um, ultimately, they were manipulated by the Sith, and, you know, it's it's there's a lot of retcons. There's retcons upon retcons. Um, but Roland really is, is an interesting um, Mandalorian for somebody who isn't just isn't just obsessed with domination and warfare, right? And what, in your opinion, Freddie, how does Roland break the mold from what we expect from Mandalorians in this series? Well, you know, when we see Mandalorian in the series, it's all very much, you know, the war, uh, conquering, conquest, strength, you know, and, and when he comes along, it's more of like, he's questioning everything. Why are we doing this? Why do I have to do that? He, he tries to escape. 
he doesn't want to he doesn't want to fit that mold and i think that's what he does really good at is he and he gets the name the questioner right that's what they call him because he's not someone that believes in everything he's got to make sure he he does his due diligence before he actually believes in something or or he just knows that that's not him that's not what he wants to do now let me ask you this freddie there came a point where I was I was I was reading through you know the second half of the story and there were some times where Roland was really uh, possessive and protective yeah. of of Jeriel and I was like why is he doing this I really liked this character and he's taking a weird yeah. turn and, and then eventually realized oh he's a supervillain <laughs> yeah. yeah he's he's like the evil scientist who has actually taken <laughs> Roland's armor turns out if you want to like you know impersonate a Mandalorian they've all got their own unique armor all you got to do is knock them out, take their armor, put it on, and uh, nobody will ever be the wiser. Um, when did you oh, pick up on it, Freddie, you know, that Demigol was, in fact, uh, Roland? John Jackson Miller pulled the wool over my eyes. I <laughs> Pulled the rug out from under <laughs> yeah. me. Wool over your eyes, rug out from under me. We're both laying on the floor. Completely you know, with, confused. Um, I'll never forget. Black eyes. I, I knew I knew when, when Demigol came in, or uh, when Roland came in, and... I just remember switching between when I found out who he was and going back to Roland and just going, what? Like, what? how did I miss this? <laughs> how did I miss that he was, the, you know, yeah. oh, man, it, it confused the heck out of me. And, I, and when you look at and when you kind of go back and you look at the timeline, you, you see it almost yeah. instantly without even without even really having to, to, I guess, spend much time on it. But if you have no idea, it's going to it's going to get you. It got me. And John. John actually does an amazing job. He actually writes like a whole page worth of explanation um, in the issue where they finally revealed it. Um, it's available in the the third Legends Epic Collection, which is how I've read these. Um, he actually goes into detail on what that long con was like because, yeah, uh, Griff and Zane, they are doing cons on people all throughout the series. Little do we know that we as the reader are getting <laughs> conned the whole time in a couple of different ways. And um, there were points where, like I said, I was scratching my head, and I was like, what's up with this character? He's gotten a little bit creepy. Uh, He got really creepy, apparently. He was a supervillain. And um, uh, there were points along the way where what you eventually realize is this is a big difference. It's something that's happened in Star Wars storytelling recently. John Jackson Miller had this plotted out from the beginning. As soon as he introduced uh, Roland Dyer and Demigal, he figured out that he could make this switcheroo and he played us for years, for two or three years yeah. in the ongoing publication of the series. Um, he was playing the reader, and 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 some uh, some astute readers were able to figure it out pretty early on. Uh, but for the most of us, you know, we didn't see it. We didn't quite understand what was happening. Um, but there's a big difference there, don't you think, between what he did in planning this out, scripting it out, and intentionally concealing the truth versus, let's say, what we got in the sequel trilogy, where. <laughs> It was uh, one creator just retconning the work from the previous yeah. film, trying to make it all fit, as opposed to having one cohesive story plotted out from the beginning. Do you see what I mean, yeah, Freddie? He, he definitely had a long game, and and I see it in the chat too. What an awesome long game it it really was. And well, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, when I first found out, it it was after I I hadn't read these in a long time, and I I didn't even finish them. I got maybe through for the first ten. And I just, it's not that I lost interest. I just had a lot of other things to do, but getting back into it, I, yeah. I, I didn't know until, they, like I said, I didn't know until he, he told us, but when you go back and you look at that character, he's, he's a little cringy and he's a little standoffish. And he, there's a couple of things that, that Roland does 
that just seemed kind of odd, a little off. And you can't pinpoint it. There's nothing to like, you're, you have no idea. John Jackson Miller doesn't explain it. Uh, the characters don't really explain it. And, and so you're just left wondering what the heck is going on. And, you know, you, you forget about it as you keep reading because there there's a lot of big events. But then the moment it happens, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, and and yeah, he does throw a lot at you. So you eventually, even if you start to scratch your head, you, you're eventually, you know, just trying to catch up exactly. with what's happening yeah. next, right? Yeah, he's able to, to to disguise it and conceal that pretty well. Um, I, I found it one of the most satisfying uh, plot twists in all of Legends, <laughs> at least yeah. for me recently. A lot of times I can see things coming, and I, I did catch on a little bit with what was happening, but did not understand that that character had been switched with this this mad scientist. Demigol's whole deal is that, yeah, you know, eventually we learn um, he he came to to be a basically obsessed with trying to replicate. And I love the the callback to the Tales of the Jedi series, didn't yeah, you, Freddie? Cool. This this goes back to like the origins of '90s Star Wars comics, um, and we're trying to basically clone Master Arca, yeah. right? And uh, it kind of goes along with this Legends plot point, which is it's hard to clone uh, Jedi. It's hard to clone the Force sensitive, and the experiments don't exactly go as planned, but Demogol, he, he's pretty committed to this. He wants to basically raise an army of Force-sensitive Mandalorians and um, eventually ends up with one test subject who makes the cut, which he thinks is Jeriel. It turns out is Jeriel's sister. throws the sister away like garbage. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's some pretty uh, Shakespearean stuff of epic proportions. Um, but, but Demogol, you know, he, he eventually becomes like just this mad scientist who's willing to experiment on any species to bring about his grand plan of, of engineering, genetically engineering the Mandalorians. And uh, John Jackson Miller then isn't afraid to kind of steer into some bioethics questions, don't you think? With yeah. uh, Demogol kind of being this, this, this mad scientist. He, he reminds me of, of a Nazi scientist because he's, how many yeah. Jedi has he killed trying to do his experiments and at, you know, experiments at no cost, whether, uh, at all costs, I should say at all costs, you know, it costs a life doesn't matter. It, it's, it's an experiment and it's all for science. Right. And that's, that's kind of where you see like the, the evil scientist. That's in my opinion, why it was a little weird seeing him get really involved with, uh, with the medical, uh, what was it? He was at, I forget which planet or which, uh, ship that was when he was you know they they were just like leave him leave him be he's he's doing some research he's doing his his thing with with the medicine so i see i'm getting <laughs> i've seen all these things happen on the <laughs> no uh, move along yeah, yeah. move along <laughs> but anyway it, i think it's just a it's pretty interesting and and you know the next one i, I really want to talk about in terms of villains because it, it's in my opinion the one that prolonged the longest right it wasn't the surprise yeah he's the defining villain of yeah. the series yeah go for it this is uh lucian dre he's basically uh you know zane's master who turns on him and is trying to frame him for the murder of his um of the other students uh, lucian ultimately we learn his his backstory is revealed in issue number nine which was amazing for the fact that that's actually the first issue that Maybe the only issue that doesn't have Zane in it at all. It is just an entire issue that is a side story on on uh, how Lucian Dre became the villain that he is. Um, comes from this wealthy family of of you know aristocracy, 
and um, you know his his family. His father was this heroic Jedi who fought against Exar Kun and was killed um, in the battle against Exar Kun. Um, his his uh, you know has this convoluted story and and how he rises to power as a Jedi and why he wants to 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 stop the return of the Sith and it's all ultimately tied to his family lineage, his his attachments, and then even his own love for his girlfriend, partner, wife. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure how all that works out in the series, but uh, you know it really does reveal the the problem with attachment among the Jedi, don't you think, Freddie? Yeah, you see jealousy. And his jealousy leads to his anger, and of course, he he is out of control, in my opinion. The, his attachments, you know, don't don't look at her, don't touch her, don't think about her. Uh, that's how I feel about him. He he's very much the leave her alone. I never want you to be by my mom kind of guy, right? And those attachments really drive him crazy. And the more he wants to be like his dad, the more he wants to be successful. The more the <laughs> it's crazy, but the more he starts to fail. Yeah, there's a quote that I saved. We'll see if I can find it from uh, this last story arc that I was reading earlier today, uh, even, um, where where Zane is basically recapping where he's been and and what this whole journey has been like for him. And he's he's trying to convince this Republic, almost said Republican, uh-oh, not talking about politics <laughs> tonight. Uh, he's trying to convince this Republic officer that uh, not basically, you know, Last Jedi, not to fight against what he hates, uh, but to save what he loves, right? So he says that, um, you know, they were they were training me, they were training me, his masters, until my crazy teachers saw the future and decided it'd be better if I weren't in it. I lived, but my classmates didn't. And that's when I learned killing people doesn't save the future. It destroys it. Can you think of a, a more excellent summation of this entire series? Honestly, it it's funny because the whole time reading this, I... I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's very much the the pre Jedi, right? We're seeing a lot of of who they used to be, but before they really thought what we see now, right? Everything that you see, no attachments, uh, they they basically you know no comforts in society. Uh, th- this is before all of that, and honestly, the demise of Lucian and and. How just reading his whole story, you feel you start to feel bad for him, and you you see why he he's become who he is, right? Which is success at all costs. Which is the difference. Uh, you know, him and Demigol have this similarity, where it's just like at all costs they're going to try to do whatever it takes. Yeah, you know, Demigol does. Then there's another villain that we're going to get into. It's kind of revealed later in the series, and that's Hazen. Uh, he's the the servant of the Dre family. He's kind of lurking in the shadows, and then there's this. <coughs> epic scene we'll see if i can find the artwork for next week where hazen you know throws the hood back over his head kind of like an obi-wan kenobi hello there except for way more villainous and he's got like this glowing red eye and he's got double red lightsabers and his red cloak is billowing behind him and there's like a fire the to the dre estate and uh, he's over here you know with both of these looking just, i was like oh apparently that creep was a villain the whole time <laughs> yeah. um and, and this is one of the things that skuma joe said last week one of the things that he loves the most about this series is the fact that it just has excellent villains it does. Uh, yeah. incredibly uh great backstories for its villains do want to say thanks Wes, for those bits uh, i want to give you a shout out of the 28 bits if you didn't get bits freddie did you even twitch stream <laughs> doesn't it doesn't the twitch stream just instantly delete yeah. <laughs> as soon as it's over if you didn't get any bits not a big deal that's the way it works get, right uh, you get bits 
I appreciate uh, all of our live viewers hanging in here with us. My uh, other computer just died, so can no longer see the chat. So uh, we have just a couple more villains to talk about. And we've, we've got to talk about them. So you can say whatever you want about me, and I would never know. Um, we've got a couple more villains worth talking about. One of them is Hazen. You know, we talked about the the great reveal with uh, Demigal and Roland Dyer. Well, how about this other reveal, Freddie? Did you anticipate the villainous reveal with Hazen? Uh... I mean, the second I saw Hazen, I was like, this guy's all bad. Everything about him. Yeah, I mean, he's evil. You're like, oh, he's the one could, pulling the strings. But how like, you let him do that? You couldn't have anticipated, <laughs> you couldn't have anticipated just how complex his backstory no, his, was. His, could you? I, first of all, I didn't know he was such a failure. Uh, just looking at him, I would have thought completely the opposite. This guy is, is super strong, super powerful. And he is, in my opinion, the opposite of, of Zane. Completely the opposite. Uh, they have the same the origin, but they go the totally different paths okay um see i was thinking of the similarity where you've got this failed jedi and this failed sith hazen had basically been a a, a failed jedi like like um zane but then ends up what in the middle of the the you know conscripts himself to exar Kun, right um after the his uh, Jedi that he was uh, who is it Zane's father isn't it yeah. Barrison no it's it's um it's Lucian's, Lucian's father, father Barrison yeah. Dre after he's killed by Exar Kun he joins with Exar Kun and the Sith so you've got like this this failed Jedi and this failed Sith both kind of as foils for each other so so how do you find them as opposites Freddie well opposites in the in the fact that they have the same origin right they start on the same path as as wanting to be a Jedi, wanting to do, wanting to be, uh, having your master be proud of you, but not quite getting it. Right. And <laughs> the funny part to me is, you know, he gets, in my opinion, Hazen gets duped by Exar Kun, right? Just by thinking like, Oh, I'm just going to use this weak Jedi and, you know, basically prey on his, on what he, on what he wants to be right. Which is successful. And he, at any cost, that's, that's what he's doing. So, um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just find it super interesting that, <laughs> that they go about the same path, but I want to say you saw, you talked about, uh, Zane's dad. We didn't even talk about him. He's, he's just a, a boring banker. <laughs> he's a banker. Hey, he saves he the day, he really man. Does. He saves the day. He absolutely does. I just love the way that they go about yeah. it. He, oh, my dad's got a boring job. <laughs> he's like the top banker. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah, it is funny the way that this series does play to the family relations um, throughout uh, as we go. Um, we've talked about uh, Demogol, we've talked about Lucian Dre, we've talked about Hazen. One final villain that at least deserves two or three minutes here is none other than the bobblehead Malak himself. Say hello, Malik. Okay, so he's now. One of the funny things I've seen throughout the quarantine, Freddie, throughout uh, the 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 COVID pandemic. Have you seen this, um, Freddie? The 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 memes that have shown <laughs> who's what's the name of the the villain from the the Swotor games from um, Malgus, Malgus, Darth Malgus. Malgus. He's he's got the breath mask that comes up over <laughs> his nose. Whereas Malik, because you can't see with my Funko Pop, little little noses on the Funkos. Uh, the the mask is down below his nose, so it says "Be like uh, Be like Malgus, not Malak." Right? <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> Got to cover your nose, folks. Cover your nose. That's uh, pretty good. In this series, in this series, Malak doesn't have his mouth or his nose covered because he's for, for half the series he's known as Alec. Then we learn his real name. Uh, what a what a misdirection totally. there, Freddie. If you're trying to hide in plain sight, shouldn't do that. You know, in your Malak, you conceal your name to be Alec. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you realize that he was Malik from the uh, first you page? Know, when, when I first saw him, I, I had a feeling when I saw when I saw his name and I saw his the way he kind of looked, kind of bald. Uh, he still had hair, but it was falling off. I think he there was something that just popped out, and then I looked. I immediately looked it up. I went to go research it, and it was definitely Malik. And I was like, oh man, it's like the stripes on top yeah, of the head. So cool. So cool. Um, you know, in the in the Kotor games, which let's be honest, I've played them ten or twelve. 10 or 12 times all right there's there's no star wars very little star wars except for dark empire for reasons you know you know the reasons um that there's very few things in star wars that i love more than kotor uh, as as do most people my age <laughs> who spent countless hours playing it on the xbox uh back in the early 2000s um However, in that series, the relationship between Revan and Malak, you know, they're initially bros, yeah. right? They're uh, they're Jedi who have this, like, anti-establishment, um, we are going to go fight those Mandos. They can't conquer our galaxy, no matter what those old, crusty Jedi masters, which, by the way, I looked it up. Their names are Vruk and Vantar. Vruk mm-hmm. and Vandar, which, like, hey, if you want to confuse a podcast host, just give two Jedi masters names that start with the same <laughs> obscure letter. All right. Um, they go anti-establishment, they're bros who then become, there's the subordinate relationship where Revan is the master and Malak is the apprentice, but then basically, uh, Malak turns on Revan, allowing Revan to be captured by Bastila or Bastilla if you're a psychopath <laughs> like Freddy. Um, so, so they go from being bros to, there's this, this, um, problematic subordination of Revan being master and apprentice to then one betraying the other to ultimately Revan turning, depending on which path in the game you take, uh, Revan betraying Malak and conquering him in order to, you know, uh, redeem himself. Whew, that's a lot. However, in the games, don't you think, Freddy, that, that Malak is mostly just a mustache twirling, you know, bad guy? There's not a lot of depth to his character. How does this series give Malik a much-needed backstory? It shows. It shows. I mean, he went through a lot of struggle. He was Demigol's research uh, pet, right? I mean, he was. Yeah, he, he was, was tortured. tortured, and he went through a lot. And he, you know, he went for Jeriel too. He he formed a, an attachment to her. I would say at the very beginning. And, you know, it kind of got creepy. He, he came in like the bravado. You're coming with me, baby. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, Treating her as an object rather than a partner. Exactly. Exactly. And you just see he's starting to slip, right? He starts to slip. Which he does the same thing to Bastila. Yeah. Yeah. He, he starts to slip a little bit. And you notice that something's going on, right? It, it it's, it's interesting to see that there was a lot of, of different types of Jedi there were rich Jedi. There were there were, you know, filthy poor Jedi. I shouldn't say filthy poor, but they looked <laughs> they looked, <laughs> you know, like the some of the politically correct <laughs> Freddy in twenty twenty one. Well, they were they were all like scrubby, you know. Like Zane was not that. He was like yeah, you know. <laughs> I got it. I got it. They're all, that's <laughs> yeah. The Dre's are definitely like uh, aristocracy. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, and then you've got uh, Jedi w- with wives, right? And and secretly teaching their maybe their partner how to be a jedi outside of jedi sanctioned training and it's just all over the place it's the wild west and you you see how problematic it is it you know it forms in my opinion uh, and jared maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but it reminds me of 
like the what is it 17 1800s vatican 1600s maybe renaissance oh, sure yeah power power was everything and power was the catholic yeah. church at that time the the late medieval yeah. period yeah the church history class that i'm teaching right now we only got to the uh what a, a thousand AD. So I'm a little bit behind. We'll catch up in like a couple months and then I'll let you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. It, be, it became about protection of power. And, and ultimately you see Malik snap in this series uh, where it's when Jerry rejects him that you realize, okay, yeah, he's going to go straight <laughs> yeah. villain, which is interesting because in the series you get a, a, some of these different KOTOR callbacks in Karth. Karth makes a great appearance, as does Malak, and they both kind of serve these older brother roles to uh, to Zane. They come alongside him, and they, you know, are not exactly on the same side, but they definitely, like, mentor him, help him out. Cassius Fett, even. Boba Fett's grandpappy. <laughs> um, you know, the makes, you know, kind of comes alongside him. Not on the same side, but they're allies for a time. And so I, I, there's nothing I love more in this series than the, the way that this series deepens the character's that you get to know, at least on a surface level in KOTOR, such as uh, with, with Karth and, and especially with Malak, to be sure. Um, I'll give a shout-out in my honorable mentions here as we close out the episode to Karth. Love the appearance of Karth in this series. Also love the the Mumo brothers. <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> as we talked about last last week, the Ithorian kind of bumbling bounty hunters. They, they even make a... They even have a comic cover. I'll have to find out which issue next week they have the cover of. It is amazing. It's just like two Ithorian bounty hunters and um john jackson miller on twitter actually just first revealed uh, some art uh, he did his own depiction of griff and the mumo brothers which is amazing because he's, he's you know he's like not an artist but he was able to draw these ithorians draw these hammerheads with their two mouths mouths on both sides of their face um i, I did however recently subject my wife to sitting through like five minutes of the ithorians speaking in kotor oh, i was talking to her about how ridiculous <laughs> how ridiculous it is to sit through and listen to the the Athorians speak in Kotor where they're talking about both sides of their face. And she I she was like trying to look away. I was like, no, you have to watch this. You have to watch it <laughs> Which I imagine is what it's like to listen to the Mumo brothers argue about like what planet should they hit next. And then the other one speaks up. And it's just absolutely comical. It really plays well in the comics, especially for the fact that you don't have to listen to their freaking voices. Whew, enough about that. How about you, Freddie? Uh, honorable mention. Any other characters we haven't talked about? I definitely like uh, the robot. I forget his name. What is it? T. Oh, uh, L- yeah. LD. LD. Oh, yeah. LB. LB. Yeah, yeah. LB. I like, I like how he's, he's very basic. He, he's almost like a... He's a load lifter. He's like a toddler in his, in his intelligence. You know, he's like, ship, stay. Ship, stay. You know, but... Um, <laughs> he's got a lot of character, even though he's a droid. Super heroic in his strength. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like the Hulk in terms of what he can do physically. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, not the smartest droid. Because we get a lot of smart droids, like smart Alex. Uh LB is no, not that. Definitely. He's like, he will he will answer what, he, what you ask him, but not a great not a great conversationalist, to be sure. Excellent. Yeah, I hadn't really mentioned LB. And one of the fun things about the series is the way the crew comes mm-hmm. together, right? You've got uh, Zane and Griff and Jeriel and then Roland, and then eventually there's a villain on the <laughs> ship, and they don't even know it for months. Oh, and uh, the, Mo- the the Mumo brothers are a part of the, the crew for a while. 
LB. It's it's really fun the way. And Malik is part of the crew for a while too. Amazing the way that the, the crew kind of ebbs and flows and people go and come and they take their solo adventures and tons of other great like legends callbacks. Um Kotor Easter egg, Saul Carith, who was the uh the captain of the ship that, that Karth was apprenticing under. Um, he's got a great role in this series as well. Definitely love the way that this expanded his character. Whew, there's a lot for us to yeah. talk about. So we're going to keep this conversation going into next week. Next week, we're going to do the overarching questions. We're going to talk about our favorites all across the board. Favorite uh, cover art, favorite panel of art. We're going to talk about how this enriches the KOTOR games. Talk about favorite Easter egg, favorite story arc, the way that this uh, ties into our recent interest in the Mandalorians and how this ties into um, our our understanding of Mandalorian culture, Mandalorian war, um, all kinds of fun stuff for us to talk about next week. After that, we're going to be talking about the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson with none other than the star, or one of the stars, there's a few of them, of the YouTubes himself, Nathan, with his ever-broadening mane of long hair that's been growing <laughs> out over the quarantine. It's been fun to watch that develop over YouTube. He's going to join us in the flesh virtually uh, to talk about the Jedi Academy trilogy, which he just recently read himself. Big Legends fan over there with Nathan. So we're going to join forces to defeat Exar Kun once and for all. Or at least fly the Sun Crusher into another celestial body. Well, that does it for this week. Thanks for joining us for Legends Look Back. Thanks to Meg, our producer. And thanks to Nathan. We just talked about our video editor. Thanks especially to our incredible patrons. Thanks to our buddies who have been with us live in the chat tonight. Um, you, of course, can also get in on the behind-the-scenes action with Utini with all kinds of bonus shows. you got Meg's show, Cafes. you got uh, Bounty Hunt, Lightspeed Skipping, Star Wars Archives, which I'm going to be on soon, and so much more. Now that we're live on Twitch, you can help us out, uh, of course, by watching Living Forest every Monday, Game Nights, which happens on Wednesdays and or Fridays, and then, of course, with us on Legends Look Back. You can subscribe the old-fashioned way or even by uh, taking some some uh, credits out of Bezos' pocket and slipping them into Corey's fanny pack with uh, Prime Gaming. Also, remember, we want your questions. You can email us either text or an audio file to legendslookback at utini.com. You can send us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel or leave a comment on this episode on YouTube or amazingly, excitingly, you can follow along with our brand new Twitter account, Legends Look Back. What is it? I messed it up. At Legends Look Back. Or you can talk to us personally on Twitter. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddy. And Meg. At Meg Dowell. And, of course, if you're looking to buy some of these books and want to help support the show, you can look up a book on Utini. Click the Amazon link in the profile, and we will get a few cents to help keep the lights on. Another way to help us out and show your love of Utini is by grabbing some swag from our merch store over at utini.com slash merch, such as this uh, ever-so-beautiful radio tee, or what do we call it? I messed it up again, didn't <laughs> I? The band. The band art. I don't know. Utini band. I used to be in a band, Freddie. Did no you know idea. that? Have I told you this? Yeah, I played the bass in Rocket Launcher Puppy Destruction. Oh, I kid I you not. Wasabi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've we've definitely talked about this before. Uh, anyway, you can wear this shirt or any other shirt or even tank top, which we've got those as well, uh, from utini.com slash merch. If you have read any of these books, such as Knights of the Old Republic, issue zero, issue one, issue two, issue three. All right, you know the you know the gist. It goes all the way up to fifty plus. Uh, KOTOR War 1 through 5, you can leave a review over on utini.com. We'd love to know what you think. Do you love the Mumo Brothers half as much as I do? Because I'm thinking about getting a cardboard cutout of them. <laughs> you think my wife would like that, Freddie? You have to have an audio clip Whew. on them. 
play it every time you walk in the room. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, like one of those motion sensor Christmas ornaments. Woo! That does it for this week. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And remember to keep the Utini fan code and be a force for positivity in a fandom. May the forest be with you. This is a Utini broadcast. <laughs> They'd say more about the fans. Freddie, what did you play? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing.